and uh, Cajun shrimp po' boy as well, and you can wash it all down with a hurricane. All that going on. Music bingo tonight, too, over at Curly's Waterfront Sports Bar and Grill. Swag, gift certificates, rave concert tickets, all to give away tonight. It all starts at 7 o'clock again. It's uh, our friends over there at uh, Curly's Waterfront Sports Bar and Grill on Pewaukee's Lakefront, Lakeview Boulevard in Pewaukee, as a matter of fact, to, to be exact. But a great place and a lot of fun. Stop over and check that out. Curly's Waterfront Sports Bar and Grill. Um, what do you got uh, via San Francisco 49er goofy information for us, Grant? So social media stuff gets weird. It seems like Brandon Ayuk is not happy. He only had three catches in the Super Bowl. So his wife posted a video uh, yesterday. Oh, that was like, this is why we won't be back. We might not be back in San Francisco. We might never play at Levi's Stadium again. And then a, a good friend of his, one of Ayuk's best friends, I guess, posted a bunch of stuff on Instagram. He said, this is the exact reason why we're leaving San Francisco. Thank you, the 49ers, for drafting my brother. We're forever grateful. Why does your all-pro 1,300-yard receiver have three catches in the Super Bowl? And Ayuk posted just a black screen and a caption that says, don't forget what got you there with eyeball emojis. So the messaging from his camp, certainly they seem like we're, we're done. We're out of here. We're leaving. Right. Um, Take that for what it's worth. Right. Um, is he, he's not a free agent. No, I think this next year is his fifth year option. Yeah. Um, and this fifth year option would be, I think his cap hit is 14 or 15 million, if I'm not mistaken. He's a first round ride receiver, so it should be pretty good. Right. If they pick that up. So, you know, I, unless he just flat out is, doesn't, well, they, if they pick it up, though, then they own him. So I don't know what he's talking about, about, you know, getting out of San Francisco, unless they've said flat out that they're not bringing him back. But I, I love it how, you know, you, you you look at a guy like Travis Kelsey getting pissed off and because he's not getting catches and he's not on the field. And look, great players want to play and they want the ball and they want to win. I understand all of that. But I don't think it's necessarily Iuk's or Brock Purdy or the play calling's fault that they didn't get him the ball. Specific. I mean, if, unless there were plays that just simply weren't called for him. But you look at a couple of times, Brock Purdy just didn't have a chance to throw the football. You know, Chris Jones was bearing down. Even Chris Jones said uh, in an interview yesterday, he said, there were times they didn't block me. He said, I maybe it was a screw-up on the offensive front, but he said, I, they didn't block me. So he had a big game, yes, but he also had a big game at times because it's like they forgot he was a beast. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, Brock Purdy didn't have a lot, a lot of time to throw the football. So I don't, I don't know why, I mean – you know, they Christian McCaffrey, they wanted to run the ball. That was the that was the, you know, use the best the the offensive player of the year the best possible way and then Kansas City started to say, "Okay, he's not going to be the one to beat us." I don't know what I I don't I haven't gone back and looked at the all 22 or anything, but I don't know if Ayuk was wide open or not wide open or whatever consistently, but I just I love it when they get pissed after the fact. You know, they never come out and say you know, people who do this, they never come out and say throughout the season, like, that's right, you know, thanks for getting me the football. I appreciate it. You're, you know, never. But when they don't get the ball, then the petulance starts to come out. And that's what cracks me up. Well, and it, wasn't it at media night? I, maybe I'm misremembering this, but Brock Purdy and members of the Niners have talked about, man, all we care about is winning. 
right? It doesn't matter who gets targets, who gets touches, because right. there's a lot of weapons on this offense. And obviously they didn't win, right? So that stings. You know, if you're focused on winning and you don't win, you start to get frustrated. But right. it's real easy to have this, you know, three or four-headed monster on offense until you have one bad game and you see, you know, one member get frustrated. Ayuk probably right. thinks he should be extended. He was just an all-pro. Players like that typically don't play on their fifth-year option. Right. So he probably expects an extension or maybe a trade is more likely based on what the messaging has been. Well, which that could actually happen too. I mean, they've got a lot. Uh, they were just showing, I was looking on, uh, I, I keep the NFL network up in here. I kind of dance around. I shouldn't say I keep it up, but uh, they were just showing that the chiefs are going to be in kind of a salary cap jail and the 49ers are probably going to be a little bit as well because the 49ers going into next season they only have cap space of $570,000, if you believe Sportrack. They don't have a ton. So they've got to restart. I mean, Trent Williams is going into next year. Is His cap hit is $31 million as a left tackle. Debo Samuel, $28 million. Eric Armstead, $28 million. Fred Warner, $24 million. George Kittle is $21 million. They are going to have to eventually pay their quarterback. Bose is $14 million. Coming in towards the end of his his deal, Hargraves fifteen million, McCaffrey is fourteen million. I think McCaffrey is. Correct me if I'm wrong. This is uh, um, his cap hit this year is twelve million, and if they cut him loose, uh, they save four million. He averages eleven million a year as a running back, and he's considered to be the best, most valuable offensive asset they have. And he's one of the lowest paid in that sense. I mean, you got George Kittle this year making $21 million as a tight end. So they, they've got some cap issues that they need to figure out. Maybe that's the reason that Ayuk maybe thinks that he's not going to be there. Well, and Niners fans, probably smart Niners fans, feel this too. With all of this money being paid to aging players, that was probably their best shot. Not to say they right. won't have another one, but everything really lined up this year with a cheap quarterback and all the talent. And again, they came up short, so that makes it extra frustrating. Yep. Um, trying to see here real quick. Uh, next year, take a guess at what Brock Purdy makes next year. Less than a million dollars, I would guess. Yeah. A lot less than a million dollars? No, uh, but he makes $985,000 okay. next year. Which in His San Francisco is, pff, that's nothing. With, with, with signing bonus... At $19,252. Uh, he couldn't even afford like a really nice car with his signing bonus because he's Mr. Irrelevant, right? Uh, taking a team to a Super Bowl, his base salary is 985000 With the signing bonus, it comes to, it comes out to $1,004,000 and some change. So... And then the next year he makes 1.1 million on the fourth year of his deal. And eventually you're going to have to pay your quarterback. You would assume they would take care of him this offseason and try to extend him out and get it all taken care of. They just don't have any money. I mean, 500 and something thousand dollars going into next season. That's that's not going to get it done. That's not going to get it done at all. So, interesting stuff, but Brandon Ayuk letting it be known that he's he's not happy. Oh well, not happy. 
Uh, meanwhile, you've got Pat Murphy, and he was on uh, the MLB Network, and uh, they were starting to talk to him about his upcoming season as the new skipper for the Milwaukee Brewers, and he talked about after Freddie Peralta, who else now that you don't have Corbin Burns anymore, who are you going to be turning the ball over? Wade Miley, the KG veteran. This guy's real comfortable out in that circle, and he impacts other people. So he's going to help us a bunch, and he's going to mold the rest of that staff. And um, uh, I, I think we're going to be competitive. He, he also talked about you don't have Brandon Woodruff. He's uh, he's nicked up and not with anybody right now because of that shoulder surgery. You trade away Corbin Burns. You don't have those two names in your lineup and on your 40-man roster. And what's it like when you don't have those big recognizable names on the 40-man roster? We're kidding ourselves to think that this thing's going to be decided on paper because we lost Burns and Woodruff. And, you know, uh, it's getting the guys to understand that, you know, if you want to make it happen, it starts with you. Take that responsibility and get after it. The other, the other team at the end of the series has got to feel you. And uh, you know that feeling. And you've, when you've competed with that freedom and you've competed with that here and now, that you're in the now, ah, it's scary what you can accomplish. I kind of believe him because I think there's more talent here than what people are specifically giving it credit for. Do I think they're as deep in the pitching department as they were prior to Woodruff going down and Burns being traded? No. But I still think that there's there's overcomable talent. And then when you talk about the back end of the bullpen, obviously you got some young arms, and then you have a staunch guy back there like Devin Williams. You still have the ability to close out games. He talks about that. I've been with the Brewers now, I think, nine years. You talk about blessed. You know what I mean? Think of the other guys before Devin. But Devin, I think, is the most underrated of all because I look at it and what the guy has done um, is just incredible. And he's been so consistent. And he he loves being out there. He wants that situation. And, um, man, we are blessed. Uh, Randy says uh, the Brewers are going to suck this year. Miley is not the answer. Nobody's steady. And if you have more offense, which I believe they're going to have, you know, knock on wood, barring injury, um, I think they're going to be right there. They may lose a few more games, you know, three, four more games. Maybe it's a little bit tighter in the National League Central. I don't see this team. When you say suck, to me it's, it's suck you're winning less than 80 games. That sucks. I don't think they drop you know, what, 12 games, 13 games, because you lose Corbin Burns. Woodrow, they had injuries last year in that in that rotation, back and forth. So, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, and don't forget, Corbin Burns wasn't Corbin Burns until about the midway portion through the season. It seemed like he was just pressing because of what he went through with arbitration. He was not happy about it. So it's kind of like he wanted to go out and just prove to the world I'm worth this amount of money, and I'm going to get paid by somebody if indeed they uh, I get to free agency, which he it, you know he seems hell bent to be. So he's got that last year and this year to prove it. Now Brandon Woodruff was stable until he wasn't, and he just never seemed to get kind of on track. Now we know why. It's just when he started to throw the ball well, then all of a sudden things flared up, and now we understand what happened. But I don't, I don't think the Brewers are going to suck. I just don't think they're going to suck. Um, I just, I just don't think so. I, uh, he says, uh, plenty less than eighty. 
who on the pitching staff will win you games. Peralta is not a steady pitcher. He has been inconsistent. Yeah, but he also has had consistency. Is he a, a 20-game winner? No. Is he a 17-game winner? No. Could he be? Yeah, you get enough offense. But I just think that they're going to be better offensively. They're going to give people a run for their money in that sense. So what they lose in the pitching department, I think they're going to gain. And remember, when you talk about pitchers, you know, look at what the records are of certain pitchers you've lost and what the combined record of Brandon Woodruff and, and Corbin Burns was last year. You know, so if you say lose half of that, then, yeah, you're about 83 wins. When you think about it, when you think about the com- combined record of the two. Say you have a losing season out of the pitchers that try to fortify for Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, and they say are 500 rather than winning pitchers or sub 500. You're still looking at 82, 83, 84 wins. And Ashby's another guy that can throw. I'm not saying they're going to go in and blow people away, but they all they got to do is keep you in ball games to the point that if you are better at scoring runs and you can get to the back end of that bullpen, that back end of the bullpen looks like, at least on paper, they're going to be able to shut you down. That's 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 what I think uh, a lot of us are hoping for. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. We are fast approaching March. There's a lot of great acts coming to the Irish Cultural Heritage Center. I am looking forward to uh, the Saturday night, the 16th of March, as we get ready for St. Patrick's Day and Cynthia coming to town. But they have a lot of great acts that are going to be appearing at the ICHC. Uh, if you do not have tickets or you want to see some of the different acts that are coming musically, uh, go to ICHC.net. That's ICHC.net. And uh, I can't wait. I'm really, really looking forward to going and seeing. I'm telling you, Cynthia, I bet you it sells out. I bet you it does. It's not a huge place to begin with, but I bet you it sells out. It is just a party. It's a party. We're going to be there for sure. 2133 West Wisconsin Avenue in Milwaukee. Call them 414-345-8800. Get a hold of our buddy Corey or go to ICHC.net. That is ICHC.net, the Irish Cultural Heritage Center right there, downtown Wisconsin, just west of the Marquette campus. Stay tuned. We got Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Good to have you back. Bill Michaels Show. Hey, if you, by chance are looking for uh, some improvement. Uh, it, it's been a mild winter, let's be honest. But there was a stint in which I'm sure your garage floor was looking nasty. Grimy, had salt, had sand, and all the gluck all over it like mine did. And maybe you're thinking about upgrading something easy, something maintenance-free that you can just kind of sweep off and you're good to go. That should, Check out our friends, uh, Sean and the gang, over at Epoxy Flooring Done Right. That's epoxyflooringdoneright.com. As a matter of fact, you can see everything that they offer. And they're based in Wisconsin. So if something goes wrong, you can get a hold of them. And a lot of these companies that are doing epoxy floors, polyurea floors and coatings and such, they are from out of state. And if you have a problem with them, you can't get them to come back and do it, uh, at least not in a timely fashion. Whereas, Sean, they're right here, uh, right here in the state of Wisconsin. Again, go to epoxyflooringdoneright.com. Call them, 262-443-2852. 
They did, uh, and I got—I guess I got to put it up because people have asked for it. I got to show you the before and after pictures of like the gym downstairs. It just turned out remarkable. Just the floor and the walls, because they painted the walls too. Um, and that's before everything else got fixed. So uh, I, I'll put that up. I'll, I'll include that over in the live stream at some point. I promise you that. But epoxyflooringdoneright.com. That's epoxyflooringdoneright.com. Get a hold of Sean and the gang. Go to 262-443-2852 from Green Bay to Racine, Milwaukee, Madison, everything in between. Uh, they do it. 262-443-2852. 262-443-2852. Good stuff there. Um. This is from uh, Michael. Michael says, uh, hey, Bill, I think the Brewers are going to be okay. People that are downplaying their pitching are just worried because they don't have a big-name pitcher. They've got at least serviceable arms, and you can win a lot of games with serviceable arms. Who's to say that this team doesn't make a trade for a better arm if they are in it at the midpoint of the season? I am excited about Brewers baseball, and I agree with you. They should be more fun to watch. Station-to-station baseball can be fun and exciting. There you go. Thank you very much, Michael. I Look, I, I agree. I, I'm not saying that they've got – a bunch of Cy Young Award winners that are on this on this team, and when you you downplayed Wade Miley, Wade if Wade Miley if he just stays healthy, he's he's just serviceable. He's good. He's not a bad pitcher. If, if he's an above five hundred pitcher, he's not a bad pitcher. Just get you to the point where you can get to the sixth inning and turn it over to the bullpen. And I think they've got enough of a bullpen to be able to sustain. You go back to the Wade Miley, the way he pitched a couple of years ago before he got injured. Man, he was throwing the ball really well for the Cubs. Coming out of the uh, Reds organization where he pitched pretty well, he pitched well for the Brewers. He's just been stable. I, is he Corbin Burns? No, of course not. I understand that. But I think there's stability there. Ashby's decent. I mean, you don't need great. What you need is stable. That's what you need. Now, when it comes to your starting rotation, the biggest question you have is the health side of things. Because last year... You could sustain an injury or two, and it, you never miss a beat. This year, I don't think you have that same depth. You probably, instead of having nine starters that are capable of being, I think you maybe have six, maybe seven, who can really step in and and get you, you know, kind of get you through if there's a sustainable injury for say a month or so. But I, I'm not thrilled. But I'm also not downplaying it to say, oh, my God, they lost Corbin Burns. They're only going to win 74 games. That's ridiculous because he wasn't a 20-game winner. So that's ridiculous. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Let's go, uh, let's go to the phone calls. Let's go to uh, Chris listening to us in Muskego. Chris, how you doing, man? What's going on? Pretty good, Bill. A couple of things. First, thanks for another awesome week on Radio Road. Been listening to you down there since the SSP days. I really enjoy it. Thank you. Secondly, uh, I really love listening to Jordan Love talk. I mean, you can feel his enthusiasm and his and his confidence, but uh, just I just don't get a sense of arrogance there. And I love how he compliments Jones and the rest of his uh, teammates. I mean, you never heard him once really throw the receivers that were running the wrong routes in the beginning of the year, he put it on himself, just like yeah. the final interception against 49ers. He put it against himself. But the biggest thing I wanted to talk about is you are so right about our defensive backs and safeties, and all they do is dive at people. They don't know how to wrap up. I mean, if Alexander would learn how to wrap up, 
he wouldn't be getting hurt. It's like when he got did get hurt with his shoulder separation, they say, oh, he was trying to wrap up. No, he wasn't. He left his feet, and he dove, and he leaved with his head. He never put his arms around him, and that's how he got his shoulder hurt. And then he, the following couple of weeks, he came back, and he tore, turned his back and tried diving at him by, by turning the shoulder and clipping him with his back. And he got right. hurt then. Yep. I mean, it's like we need some Chuck Cecil's back on this roster. We know how to hurt <laughs> No, I would agree with that. The unfortunate thing is that the Chuck Cecils of the world, uh, even if they are the Chuck Cecils of the world, they're not allowed to play like it anymore in the National Football League. But I look, appreciate the phone call. I look at it as the fundamental side of things, if you're good at it, and this is one of the things that we were talking about with Colton Bartholomew regarding the Badgers, where this year it's crisper, this year more attention to detail. Already in this offseason – it's just different. It feels different. Now, I'm not going to say whether or not that equates to wins on the field. We'll have to wait and see. But what I want to see out of Halfley is, and I would love to maybe even get him on the program, but to say, look, what is the, you, you can only tackle and hit so much in the National Football League. I, I understand all of that. What is the commitment to the fundamental side of football? Football, you can scheme your ass off. But if you got a bunch of guys that just run fast, they're athletic, but they're not football players, they're not the heart of a lion, they're not the guys that are fundamentally sound, it's all for naught. You just see guys running around in the right place at the right time, and they don't have the ability to make plays. What you want is the guys with the ability to make plays. Savage, a couple of times this year, in an open field, I loved Corey Valentine uh, and Valentine this year. Both of those guys had opportunities in midfield, wide open. It was just them as the last line of defense, and they were able to make watch-your-hips tackles. You know, they weren't going to get juked out of the shoes. They were watching the wide out. They were watching the running back coming out of the backfield. Whatever it was, they were able to make tackles in open field, in open spaces. And, and there was a couple of times I went, wow, that's the way you tackle. And I, I was glad to see that. What I don't want to see is those guys – now that they're in the league a few years, start to lose that ability because now it's all about, you know, just throw your body at the guy, don't get hurt, don't, you know, all that kind of crap. That's what I'm excited to see is if those guys continue to progress and get better. And I'm anxious to see if Halfley is going to be the guy to kind of kind of guide them in that direction, so to speak, as, to, as far as being fundamentally sound. By the way, we were talking about Brock Purdy. So, Grant, you posted this uh, to me, but – the uh, Brock Purdy's uh, salary for the upcoming season as a Super Bowl quarterback is going to be a whopping nine hundred and eighty-five thousand this year. Which, if you're making that, it, it, say you're in Milwaukee and you're making that amount of money, but then you take it to San Francisco, that equates to about five hundred and eighty thousand dollars because he lives in San Francisco, which. $580,000 in San Francisco may, might get you a one-bedroom apartment. Yeah, the way that I read it is if you make nine hundred eighty-five grand in San Francisco to maintain your lifestyle in Milwaukee, you would only need about $580,000. Right. That's wild. Which is still a good amount of money. Don't oh, get me wrong. Yes, very much so. But it's not, you know, out in San Francisco, man. I don't, God, it's it, the, the prices out there are ridiculous. California's a sinkhole, man. Uh, it just is. But, yeah, for for you to live – I remember when we were in San Francisco for the Super Bowl. Now, this is years ago, maybe eight years, six, seven, eight years ago. Um, we put – just for, you know, S's and giggles, we put uh, – I think it was Zillow. It was one of the uh, the real real estate apps. 
And what you do is as you drive around, it will tell you the area that you are in and what the prices are. And then you can put in your range. And we drove around. At one point, it was just a neighborhood. Uh, it wasn't far from the bay, but it was in the neighborhood. And we put in a million dollars, and nothing came up. And I'm like, wow, not a not a home for under a million bucks around here. And, and I'm thinking, boy, that's that's weird. Like, boy, nobody wants to sell these properties until I adjusted it to two million, and then like one or two or maybe three houses showed up. But when I put it at three million, we had houses all over the place that were for sale, that were showing up. But you're looking at them, and it's an 1,800 square foot ranch. That's kind of a fixer-upper for 2.4. It just, I was flabbergasted at the just the real estate prices in California and out in San Francisco. So, yeah, even making $900,000, close to a million dollars a year, that's not much out in San Francisco, unfortunately. I hate to say that because I never thought I'd get to the point in my lifetime where I said, guys, oh, making a million bucks, that's not much at all. But that's true. My version get, of that, by the way, is going to Whitefish Bay or Maple Bluff and being like, man, how much are these houses worth? Right? You know, just nice neighborhoods around here. I can't actually yeah. fathom looking at house prices at a place like San Francisco. Indiana. If you're going to go someplace and not pay a ton, and, and, and even that's starting to get higher, but uh, Indiana. You know, our, our my producer, uh, Matt Regatius, from years ago, they moved down. He showed me a picture of his house. And his house, uh, the price of it is half the price of mine, as much square footage, red brick home, beautiful, beautiful red brick home, four-bedroom home, uh, for half of what I paid for mine that I currently live in. Same size, the whole thing, for half. It was just – then again, I mean, I you know, there's a condo on a lake that I was, uh, you know, had got in, gotten into, and that was only seventy grand, and the property taxes were less than $1,000 a year. So – it just goes to show that it depends on where you live. Now, San Francisco is a sinkhole. We all know Wisconsin has a, a high group of taxes where Indiana does not. But if you take my house and you put it in Illinois, then, yeah, it's ridiculous. Completely just because it goes across the board, it would be ridiculous when it comes to the comes to the tax rate. Anyway, I don't want to get too deep into that. Uh, we got to, we got to talk some Bucks basketball when we come back. Jim Ozarski of the Journal Sentinel is going to join us and make his weekly visit. And we'll talk with him about this Bucks team and about uh, the win they got last night, an important win last night, as a matter of fact. I was, I was kind of psyched. Uh, maybe, maybe, Doc Rivers, maybe he's put them back on track. We'll wait and see. Stay tuned. we got more of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Bill Michael Show, we are back. We are uh, glad you're on board with us. Bucks got a win last night that, quite frankly, it, it raised eyebrows. A lot of people thought that this might not be a good performance, that this might really show some of the flaws. Uh, they had gotten beat out in Denver earlier, and now they turn it around after Doc Rivers has taken over in the last couple of uh, games. They've actually looked pretty good. Uh, they they make a trade. Their defensive you know side of things are a little bit better. Jim Ozarski of the Journal Sentinel, at Jim Ozarski over on X, covering the box, joining us now, making his weekly visit on the hotline. Jimmy, how you doing, pal? Hey, I'm good, Bill. I'm good, Bill. Welcome back from Vegas. Thank you, sir. It was uh, it was a fun and uh, fun of full and frivolity and stuff. Uh, but I tell you what, I'm glad to be home. Uh, you know how it is when you travel for a while. You're kind of like, okay, I missed my bed. I missed my own shower. I'm ready to go. 
So we were uh, we were more than ready to get home. So then you come home, and then last night I got a chance to just sit down and relax. And much to my uh, surprise, uh, the Bucks played really good basketball last night. Is this now the Doc Rivers effect? Yeah, Bill. I mean, look. Now this does date a little bit to even Joe Prunty's three games as interim. The the charge for this team after firing Adrian Griffin was to raise the floor of the defense. And that floor was in the basement. I mean, they were a bottom third team, as we talked about. And since since Rivers has taken over, so two weeks ago yesterday, they're a top five, six team in points allowed, defensive rating, if fans are more interested in that. Um, they've been playing good defense. Um, the problem is, is it's coincided with injuries to Damian Lillard and uh, – Chris Middleton and, you know, Brooke Lopez being out for a handful of games for personal reasons. So, you know, offensively, they, they've struggled a little bit um, in this. And, and, you know, Doc is tweaking some things on that side of the ball as well. But, Bill, I mean, this was always going to be about how bad the Bucks were on defense for a while and how much better could they get. And, yes, they're three and five with Doc, but um, the floor has been raised. It is maybe now, you know, on, on – you know the maybe not the basement, but the uh, the family room. <laughs> you know, right, right. Um, and and you know, can it get you know to the kitchen? I don't know. I mean, maybe the sample size is too small. But Bill, you're right. It's um this is the Doc Rivers effect, and you know, credit to John Horse. I mean, he made the move for a reason, and at least in the early going, uh, is pay, paying dividends on that side of the ball. So, I mean, you tell me, have guys looked at Doc Rivers and said we were buying into this cat? Yes. I mean, it's as simple as that. I mean, and look, these guys have said it all, all year long. Under Griffin, it was, you know, well, maybe it's coming. We're not quite sure where to be. You know, we'll get there. Doc comes in, and they know where to be. They know how to get there <laughs> and and what to do. Um, and, and, again, it just sounds like, you know, there's just too much confusion or, or maybe too much being asked of them that, that they just weren't comfortable with. In the previous regime, and yeah, Doc Rivers has come in, and look, he's he's got some gravitas. I mean, we talked about it, Bill, when he was hired. He, look, we may say that championship with Boston was so long ago, but players don't think that way. They just know he won a chip with Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce. So when he comes in and tells them to do something, I think there's a little more heft to that. And also, what he's asking them to do seems fairly simple. Um, and they're executing it, and and obviously it's a talented group, Bill. So um, it, it's looking pretty good. Um, I, I want to ask you because obviously Giannis being the leader, and you talk about buying in. I, I watched last night specifically, and Giannis is not sprinting down to the other end of the floor with everybody else. He actually played some offensive boards last night. Is this because I, I saw things? It's not that it's this drastic difference because they hit shots last night, didn't turn the ball over. They were good in a lot of different areas, but. I noticed guys weren't all sprinting to the opposite end of the floor, basically saying, you got this, I'm going to go do some other things, you know? And, and is is that your Doc Rivers effect at this point? I mean, it's early, but I was excited about it. Yeah, look, look I mean, last night might be a little unique with Giannis on the offensive glass just because Brooke was handling, well, as much as one person can handle Nikola Jokic, right? Right. So, so Giannis was – but I, I think the fact that this was a throwback to the Budenholzer stuff, Bill, where, 
Giannis is sort of that roamer along the baseline, you know, on the defensive side to help, you know, uh, clean up some things, help protect Brooke, if that's the case, help protect some of these guys. And that leaves him, uh, you know, around for defensive rebounds. Now, I mentioned you, the offensive side. He, he might have just been the guy there on that particular night. Look, the, the Bucks have cut a little bit more. Uh, you've seen that dunker spot. Again, throwback to the Budenholzer type stuff. Um, now, what has changed is they're basically keeping one guy into offensive rebound, where in the past under Griffin, you had these corner crashers, you know, Beasley and Middleton and guys who just aren't that good at it. So you're right. Uh it is the rivers effect. And okay, if you're the guy down there, you try, <laughs> everybody else gets back. So you're not getting those transition buckets. I think Giannis just happened to be that guy last night, Bill. Um, in some parts, because you know, you're trying to get Jokic out of there. You know what I mean? And, and Brooks right. forced that with some of the, but, but in, in general though, Bill, you're right. Um, that's one of those, those changes that seem so simple yet, for whatever reason, you know, the previous regime just couldn't or wouldn't institute it, and, and it's something they're doing now. Back-to-back wins for the Bucks, and uh, I, I find it interesting. I was watching earlier this morning on the Four Letter Network, and they're talking about, well, they're not at the All-Star break yet. Not even halfway through, and I'm thinking, <laughs> no, you only have 20-something games remaining. I mean, this is when you got to start to put the pedal down, right? Yeah, and it's funny because Giannis said last night, he's like, I, I wish we had a few more games before the break just because he feels like it's starting to click a little bit. But in reality, they all need the break. Um, and, but you're right, though. That is the stretch run in the NBA. It's, it's just 20-something games. Chris Middleton, you know, Bill, I, they're not really putting a timeline on that ankle. I wouldn't be shocked if, he, if he's back shortly after the break. That'll be about two, three weeks on a pretty severe ankle sprain. Um, but, you know, Chris is, Chris is kind of plug-and-play with some of this stuff. So the fact that they're getting some, some good reps with Damon Giannis together, you know, um, Malik Beasley and Pat Connaughton, Jay Crowder, guys are sort of, you know, settling into where they need to be offensively, defensively. So you're right, Bill, it, it's a sprint following the all-star break, but um, the, the Bucks are sort of turning a little bit here. The wins aren't there yet, but you're seeing enough pieces to make you think, you know, that they might be ready to, to, to get out of the blocks after the break. With the trade, what does that do to this team? Does, I mean, because we were looking for them to make a deal that was going to give them a defensive prowess and make them, with the addition of Doc Rivers as the new head coach, that this is going to be the team that is going back to an NBA Finals. Have they done enough? I mean, I mean, on one hand, they, they did what they could. Uh, I right. guess time will tell if it was enough. Um, they just, the, the you know, John Horst had used almost all of his ammunition to, to trade for Holiday and Lillard the last, you know, four seasons here, Bill. But but Patrick Beverly fills a, an obvious hole. It's the one thing they, they haven't had since losing uh, Drew Holiday, but also Javon Carter, Wesley Matthews for free agency. I mean, they just didn't have someone in the backcourt that could defend at a really high level. And look, Patrick Beverly's 35 years old. Uh, even Doc acknowledged he probably can't be your 30 30- five-minute guy, but I don't know if that's necessary. But he does bring that sort of point-of-attack edge. And while he's only 6'2", um, he can play with Lillard and, and sort of pick up a bigger guard. You know, he's got a 6'7 mm-hmm. wingspan, and obviously he, he 
you know, he's probably a little more animated, a little more of an instigator than, say, Wesley Matthews. <laughs> um, but it, it, it adds to that bill for sure because now you have that guy who can maybe slow some things down above the three-point line, and now you've got Brook and Giannis sort of doing the thing we've gotten used to them doing <laughs> under Mike Budenholzer right. behind him. Um, is it enough? I mean, we'll find out. But it, it's the one hole, the one obvious hole that they had, and John Horst filled it. I uh, I like what they, they did, don't get me wrong, uh, and I agree with you. There was only so much they could do. For people that said they needed to go out and pick up certain names, it was at the time I'm looking at it, it's like it's ridiculous. They don't have anything. And if you're going to make a trade for big names, you're going to have to get rid of big names, and they just they, they weren't going to do that. So the next question is the longevity of this team. When you look at this team moving forward, let's just say they don't win a championship this year, God forbid. Then what? Because they don't have a lot of capital in any other area. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it look and it's it's a future John Horse problem, but that's his job, right? The GM. You talk about with, with Brian Gutekunst and the Packers, right, Bill? The, the five-year window, the five-year board of salary cap, etc. Look, this team is going to look different next year. It has to. Um, you know, they don't have they don't own their own draft pick uh, until 2031 in the first round. Um, they've got one second rounder this coming draft, which is from Portland. I mean. This is a team that's well into the second apron, and not to bog people down with, with the CBA stuff, but they're just really, really hamstrung with roster building. Um, the, the league wanted that. They don't want teams like the Bucks to be good for six years. Um, so John Horse is going to have to – look, there's going to be some hard decisions and maybe some very popular people uh, from this Bucks team who are no longer here at the start of next year. So I think that's why there was such an emphasis, Bill, on changing the coach and adding Patrick Beverly, whether that's enough or not, I don't know. But I, I think looking back, we're going to look at the Rivers acquisition, if you will, Bill, as the biggest move that the Bucks could have made right. to try to win a championship this year. Uh, which, uh, you know, hey, it might not turn out to be that bad. I just hope that as long as he has their ear, he's got the ability to at least – inspire them so to speak to play a more defensive style of basketball i there's no there's no doubt though that they can score i mean they can score with anybody right jim yeah they can you know look at any given night bill they've got the two best players on the floor and, and damian lillard and and Giannis at Kumbo. and Giannis is playing at an mvp level his assist rate is at a career high um and it's only ticking upward um, Doc has really emphasized Giannis on kicking the ball out at a more frequent rate. And while, again, we haven't seen sort of like these huge point nights because, again, some, some injuries and some other things going on. But, yeah, look, Bill, if you would have asked me three, you know, two months ago, could the Bucks make three stops to win a game, I would, say, I would have said no. I'm like, maybe they can make one and they got to make some baskets. I think now <laughs> they can make some stops. And yeah, Giannis and Dame are going to get you buckets, and and who who can stop them on an individual like no one can like that, mm -hmm. and and that's something this team, for as good as Chris is in the clutch, Bill, he still has to work a little bit to get that eighteen foot mid range, right? You know, right. And, and Dame doesn't need that, and that just changes everything for this team as they go forward. Jim, always great, bud. We'll talk again next week. It's exciting getting into the All-Star break, but, boy, it's a stretch one when they come out of it, man. It just, it just is. Looking forward to it. 
Uh, sounds good. Yeah, I'll be I'll be down in Indianapolis. Make sure to check out jsonline.com. Brandon Podzinski, Bill, down at the Rising Stars, another Milwaukee guy. I mean, it's uh, it's a Wisconsin weekend down in Indy. Wow. So, uh, you, 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 may, you may see Matt Regatius down there. You may even eat some Skyline Chili down there because they have a couple of them in Indianapolis. Man, you're going to be living the large life, man. That's going to be great. <laughs> for sure, for sure. I, I'll talk to you then. All right, buddy. Talk to you later. There you go. That's our buddy Jim Ozarski, the Journal Sentinel, joining us for a couple of minutes on the hotline. Great to talk to Jim. Hey, you want a great spot to go? There is two of them. Sobelman's Pub and Grill. They are in both Milwaukee on St. Paul Avenue, Waukesha on William Street. And as they say, we should catch up. So let's meet at Sobelman's, whether it's the giant Bloody Marys that they're known for or the burgers and such. Sobelman's Pub and Grill. And uh, it is a... It's it's been an institution in the state of Wisconsin. I think uh, everybody visits there at one point or another, right? I think they all have, and so if you haven't, I would recommend it. But Sobelman's has not one the originals on St. Paul, but two locations, and they have one in Waukesha. As uh, more and more people are heading out to Waukesha now because they have just remodeled the downtown, they've made it look great. But just like south of downtown is William Street, down by La Estacion. And uh, they've got Sobelman's right there, and I look forward to it. Sobelman's Pub and Grill. We should catch up, so let's meet at Sobelman's. Good stuff. More than Milwaukee. Uh, more than Milwaukee. Show. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. If by chance you are thinking about, ah, maybe I want to get out of here. Maybe do a little vacation, cruise, all-inclusive trip, back to Vegas after the craziness has settled down. Whatever it happens to be for the resorts, the cruises, the sport travel vacations, all of that. Let our friends Melissa and Michael, they help you plan and book your next amazing getaway. Call them. Right here in our own backyard, 414-208-4221. Dream Vacations, it starts right here. That's Dream Vacations, uh, your local independently owned and operated Dream Vacation franchise. Uh, BLTVacations.com, you can go to, but get a hold of uh, Michael and Melissa, and they can help you out. 414-208-4221. They're right here in our own backyard. Anywhere in the state of Wisconsin, you can you can call them and they can set it up for you. 414 414- 208-4221, and he is a veteran and does a lot of stuff with veterans as well. So if you're looking to uh, get away, it doesn't matter if you're going to Paris, France, or out to see Paris the Casino <laughs> in Vegas. Either way, you can't go wrong. That's Dream Vacations again, 414-208-4221, 414-208-4221. That is Dream Vacations. It all starts right here. Um. Mike says, uh, Oscar Wilde said, growing old is better than not growing old. I've posted that before, but it makes uh, makes me feel better. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, growing old is better than being below the dirt, I guess, or ground in the ashes, whatever whatever floats your boat. Enjoy your day. <laughs> kind of a kind of a weird, morbid thought. Ah, <laughs> uh, what else do we have? Um uh, this is uh, from James who says, hey, before you celebrate St. Patrick's Day, be sure to give a shout-out 
to the Finnish holiday that is St. Euros Day. St. Euros Day. A Finnish holiday for the Vikings. <laughs> okay, we'll do that. We need a list of all the bizarre holidays. That's what we need a list of. Well, it's also Ash Wednesday tomorrow, right? Do we need to do something with that? Uh, yeah, I I guess because what do they what do they make the ashes out of? What do they burn up to make ashes? They burn the the palms from the previous Palm Sunday. From Palm Sunday, that's right. I thought it was, but I couldn't remember. I went to Catholic the, school, so if you ever I, need, I I'm, I did I'm too. Here. I went. God, I went what twelve years. To Catholic school. I thought that's what they, I just didn't want to overspeak because it's been a while since I haven't uh, really thought of the factual aspect of that. Thank you for helping me out there. You're still young enough to remember your Catholicism. Good job. (laughs) We got another hour of this yet to go. We're giving you everything from sports to religion, for God's sakes. Uh, You can't beat this. That's what the Bill Michael Show is all about. We are multicultural and diversity and all that kind of stuff. Whatever. I'm full of crap. More to come.